You would turn now to Matthew chapter 1. If you would like to use the Pew Bible, it's page 1 in the second half. For some reason, they decided to start the numbering over. So page 1 in the second half of the Pew Bibles, Matthew chapter 1. Probably heard the phrase, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself, right? And often we use that phrase when we don't necessarily trust the people that we might delegate a particular task to, or when we're not confident they're going to do it exactly the way that we would want them to. But in the passage that we're going to look at this morning, God had to do it himself. There was no other way. No human being was up to the task. We read through a number of verses this morning, but the ones that I want us to focus on are found in verse 21 and in verse 23. Verse 21 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Which raises the question for us, what are sins? Why do God's people need to be saved from them? Those sorts of things maybe come to our minds. We look back to the very beginning of the Bible. In the book of Genesis, God created a perfect world, made the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, put them in a garden, a beautiful place, and gave them one command. Don't eat from this tree that's in the middle of the garden. They're tempted by the serpent. They give in to that temptation. They eat of the tree. They break God's command. And ever since that point, people have been doing the same kinds of things. Doing what God has said not to do. Lying, stealing, speaking angrily toward one another. All of these sorts of things. Some things we view as big deals. Some things we view as little things. But which God considers to be sin. But sin is also not living up to God's perfect standard. Jesus would come a little bit later here in the book of Matthew and say, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And even if we can minimize all the things that we have done that are not good, we can't stretch all the things that we have done that are good to reach up to that standard that God has set, be perfect as God in heaven is perfect. So Adam and Eve had a problem, as we all do. But in Genesis 3.15 was the first unfolding of God's promise to deliver his people from their sins. And we move forward, and that pattern continues. We've been studying the book of Genesis on Sundays here at our church, and we've seen over and over again people making sinful choices, the need for a Savior, the need for someone to deal with our sins, that's not us. And why couldn't it be us? For the same reason that someone drowning because they fell through the ice can't help someone 50 feet away who's also drowning because they fell through the ice. We're both in trouble. We both need help. And so God couldn't delegate this task to someone else. God had to do it himself. We come hundreds of years later to the book of Isaiah, and there's a king who's surrounded by enemies, uncertain of what's going to happen next, 
And the prophet Isaiah comes to him and he says, Ask for God a sign that you know that he is with you, that you know that he will keep his word. And the king, pretending to say, well, I don't want to presume upon God, said, I will not ask for God a sign. He didn't believe God's word. He didn't believe the word of the prophet. So God said, you know what? I'm going to give you a sign, not just about these kings that are threatening you, of which there are several other signs around that chapter in the book of Isaiah, not just about those, but a sign for you and for the whole world, a sign that I will keep my word, a sign that I will deliver my people, and that sign is that a virgin will be with child and will bear a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not God distant, God inaccessible, God unknowable, not a God just like us, like the gods of the pagans throughout history, but a God who is fully God, taking to himself a fully human nature, coming to save his people. So why was his name Jesus? Because it means the Lord is salvation. He will save his people from their sins. Why was his name Emmanuel? Because he wasn't just a man. He was God come down to earth to live a righteous life, to die a sacrificial death, and to pay for the sins of his people. But there's a problem for those of us in this room who are not of Jewish descent. We're not necessarily the people that Isaiah the prophet had in mind when he spoke those words. He was speaking to the people of Israel. What then does this have to do with us? The Apostle Paul says it this way, that he's not ashamed of the gospel, the message, the good news about Christ, because it is the power of God for salvation not only to the Jew, but also to the Greek, the Gentile, the one who was not born of the tribes of Israel. And so this message is not just for the people who were in Jesus' day. It's not just for those of Jewish ancestry. It is for anyone who would hear the message and would respond in faith. Our problem is that we don't believe God's word. God says things like, you're a sinner, your words are corrupt, your heart is evil, and you want to go your own way. And we say, I'm not that bad. I'm a pretty good person. And when we compare ourselves to other people, that may well be true. But we're not supposed to compare ourselves to other people, are we? You're supposed to compare ourselves to that standard that God laid forth, be perfect as God is heaven and perfect, and to that standard, all of us fall short of God's image and God's glory. God says other things like, love your neighbor as yourself. And we say, well, I do that some of the time. I mean, especially this time of year, who wouldn't do something good for their neighbor, for the people in need, for someone around them? But do you love your neighbor as yourself every day of the week, every day? week of the year, every year of your life? No. We're not as good as we think we are, and we're not as holy as God requires us to be. What then does God say is the solution? Well, if God has sent Jesus to be the Savior of his people, and as the rest of the New Testament explains of the world, 
then there's only one way to God. Which sounds harsh, which sounds intolerant, which sounds unloving. But the unloving thing is for us to lie to people and say to them that there are many paths to God when God has said the one way is through Jesus. The Apostle John will say later that there is one path to God the Father and it is through Jesus Christ. That eternal life, what we need as a response to our sin is only found in knowing Jesus Christ who has been sent by God and is the only possible way of us knowing God. And so, what then is our response to the fact that God has provided Jesus to pay for sins, that God himself did not delegate this task to anyone else, but in the person of his Son came down to earth to deal with our problem of sin himself. What's the only response? It's what the Apostle Paul would say later in the book of Romans. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we might say, I'll do that later on. There's an interesting verse right before Paul says that in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. It's Romans 10 and verse 8. And he says this, The word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. And if you look at where he's quoting that from in the Old Testament, it's when God gave his law to his people Israel and said God has not made knowing him inaccessible, what he expects from us unknowable. He's put it right in front of us. The question for us is this. You take God at his word. Do you believe God? There were many in Jesus' day that heard the message that he taught, that saw the life that he lived, that observed the death that he died and the resurrection, that proclaimed his victory over sin and death and God's acceptance of his payment for sin. There were many who saw all of these things. And the responses to this message fell into three categories. I won't believe, maybe later, and yes. What's the problem with those? The first two at least. If we say no, we, we, we hear a verse like John 3.16, God loved the world in this way that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. We say that's great. But sometimes we forget a few verses later in the chapter it says, but the one who does not believe... God's wrath abides upon him. So, if we say no to the message about Jesus, we are under God's wrath in peril of God's judgment. We say maybe later. I'll get to it tomorrow. In the new year. to be one of my New Year's resolutions. The problem is that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We've all had friends and family members and those dear to us who thought they had years more of their life and they did not. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, which is why the prophet warns God's people today is the day of salvation. 
And so the bottom line from looking at all of these things is this. God miraculously sends His Son, Jesus Christ, as God to come and to deal with the problem of sin for His people. God with us, walking among us, accomplishes that. The question before us is, what are you going to do with Jesus? It's not enough just to say, Christmas makes me feel good. I'll think about him as a little baby in a manger once a year. Nothing wrong with contemplating that. The fact that Jesus is born is perhaps one of the greatest events in human history as God brings, for, brings all of the strands of history together to the right time and the right place for Christ to be born. But if we stop there and we fail to think about the rest of his life, his death, his resurrection, the fact that he's returning again to reign as king, then we've cut the story, the story short. And if we fail to respond to him and say, yes, he is the way to God, and not just he is the way to God for people over there, but he is the way to God for me, then we may find ourselves in the same place as some of God's people in first century Judea who had God with us right in front of them and they still rejected him. But if we believe in him, what is the hope that the New Testament holds out for us? The hope is this. I have prepared a place for you. I will come and gather you to be with me and you will be always in my presence. So are you believing in Jesus today? The one who saves his people from their sins? The one who is and only in all the history of the world, God with us? That's what this time of year ought to drive us to remember and the decision that it calls us to make. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truths of this word that you have laid before us. It is possible for us to trust in other words that have been given by men, words that would lead us away from this one truth that salvation is found in Jesus and no other. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Perhaps we've been unwilling, Lord, to admit that we need to be saved. Help us to see the depth of our sin. Perhaps we have been, been convinced that there are other paths, other ways. Lord, may we see that those ways lead not to eternal life, but to eternal separation from your presence. Perhaps we have been putting off a decision like this because we feel as though it's something that we have time to think more about and contemplate and, and decide upon another day. Lord, remind us that our lives are but a breath in this world, that we do not know what comes tomorrow, and that you call us now to answer the question of what we will do with Jesus. Lord, we pray that these truths would pierce deep into our hearts, that by the power of your Spirit we would be persuaded of them 
and called to be those who would follow after you in faith in Jesus, the one whom you have sent. Lord, we pray that in these times, uh, in this week of gathering with family and enjoying food and uh, many other things that we associate with this time of year, that we would not forget what we most ought to remember, the coming of Jesus, the significance of his coming for our lives, and whether we stand as his people or not as his people. Lord, we pray that you would do a work in our hearts this morning. In Christ's name, amen.